I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Equitymates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. Where I'm recording right now in a couple of short years is going to be the focus of the sporting world. Brisbane, Australia's third largest city, announced recently it was selected to host the 2032 Olympics. And the Olympics sees the eyes of the world turn to your city, and no small amount of eyeballs either. Estimates from the Tokyo Olympics reached more than 3 billion viewers. And of course, wherever there's attention, there's money. In the US, NBC paid $7.75 billion for the rights to broadcast all the Olympics up until 2032. And in Australia alone, Channel 7 paid $170 million for the past three Olympics. They're away first time. How fast will Norman go? And those dollars aren't just spent on broadcasting rights. In Tokyo, lead sponsors were asked to pay a little over $100 million. And yet, despite these huge sums and all the attention, the Olympics is a terrible business proposition. A study from Oxford found that since 1960, every Olympics has run over budget by an average of 172%. In fact, very few Olympics even turn a profit. It's Wednesday, the 20th of April, and today I want to know just how bad a financial decision is hosting the Olympics. And what does this mean for the future of the world's games? To help me answer these questions, I'm joined today by my colleague at Equity Mates, Darcy Cordell. Darcy, welcome. Thank you, Sasha. Loved that intro. Very fun episode <laughs> coming up. First of all, right off the bat, are you a fan of the Olympics? A massive fan. I was absolutely glued to the couch last year during the Olympics. When it comes around, I just can't wait to watch every event from <laughs> curling to archery. So you're all geared up for Brisbane 2032. And I would say as someone who's living in Brisbane right now, there are so many reasons the Olympics should be a big winner for us. Tourism, foreign investment, new infrastructure, jobs. Yet the reality is, from what you've been telling me, the Olympics is a terrible investment. Help me understand just how bad it is. Every time the Olympics come around, Sasha, there are all these rosy projections about how much the city will spend and how much they'll make. But almost every time afterwards, there are stories about how wrong these projections were. And while the numbers change depending on the source, there's only one Summer Olympics that's universally regarded as profitable. Do you know which one that is, Sasha? I think I'm cheating because uh, Comedian vs. Economist did an episode on it last year, but is it LA? Very good. LA 1984. Once it was a village slumbering in the hot sun of Southern California, and today, for the second time in its history, Los Angeles welcomes the athletes of the world for the Summer Olympics. So on both sides of the ledger, the money that you expect to make and the amount that you expect to spend, the Olympics disappoint. So I've done a quick tally, and in the years that I've been alive, there's been 
eight Olympics and you're telling me that every single one of them, they've lost money. All of them lost money since you've been alive, Sasha. Well, let's start with the positive news. What are the ways a city could make money? So the obvious reasons are TV broadcast rights, sponsorship and direct ticket sales. But there's also indirect revenue streams, massive infrastructure investments before the games and of course increased travel and tourism that booms around the games. For Brisbane 2032, city officials have estimated $7 billion in economic benefit. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. That sounds promising, in fact. It is, and there's no doubt that Olympic cities do make money. It's just never really as much as they forecast. Unsurprisingly, the larger the forecast economic benefit, the larger the operating budget the organisers can justify. A study in the Journal of Economic Perspectives suggested that the actual economic benefits are, quote, either near zero or a fraction of that predicted prior to the event. Basically, the assumptions are just too optimistic. We overanalyze the impact of job creation, tourist numbers and economic impact. Barcelona 1992 is cited as a pretty positive case study from a city that rose in popularity after the Olympics. They rose from the 11th to the 6th most popular destination in Europe after the 1992 Olympics. So if I was on the organising committee, this would be the one I'd talk about. But that experience isn't universal. London, Beijing and Salt Lake City all saw decreases in tourism after the Olympics. And one of the factors here is local displacement. Okay, what does local displacement mean? This is where tourists come into an area and the locals actually kind of vacate the premises. And this is what happened in the 2018 Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. And it meant that there's now a whole lot less grocery stores and a lot more nightclubs on the Gold Coast Strip. I do recognise what you're talking about. You know, whenever there's a football game on or, or a large event, a lot of the times if you live in that area, you just don't want to spend as much time going out because of all the people who are going to be around. So you've illustrated really clearly that the forecast financial benefits are often overstated. Let's go to the cost side, the outflows, where the money is going. How much is a city spending to host the Olympics? This is where the bill really blows. The costs start rolling (laughs) in well before the athletes touch down. Even just submitting a bid is an expensive process. Cities typically spend 50 to 100 million on consultants, event organisers and travel just submitting their bids. The Brisbane 2032 Master Plan includes 32 venues... I'm going to give you a trivia question, Sasha. How much do you think Tokyo spent on their unsuccessful 2016 bid? Well, so you've said 50 to 100, so I'm going to say 70. 70 million. Double that. So they spent 150 million and that money really went to waste. They sent out the invitations for the party and then no one wanted to go to the party. Let's talk to the actual games. We've talked about the bid, but Brisbane's won. How much are they looking at spending on an Olympic Games? Before we get to Brisbane, let's look at some other historical figures. Atlanta, 1996, they spent a bit over $3 billion. Then we had Sydney with $7 billion, Athens afterwards, $15 billion. So they're doubling every year so far. Good compound annual growth rate. <laughs> But Sasha, what about Beijing 2008? How much do you think they spent? If Athens spent 15 billion, then we're looking at 30, surely. $42 billion, a massive increase, (laughs) but it was an outlier. It reverted to a bit over 15 million in London 2012, and then Rio up again to 20 billion in 2016. So we got back on track. Yeah, we did. And looking at those numbers, you might be surprised that Tokyo last year, they initially forecast a $4 billion spend. 
for the Olympics. Tell them they're dreaming, Darcy. That's just way too low. Absolutely dreaming. The estimates are the final spend was over $13 billion, but there are figures that state it could have been around 20 and they weren't even able to have people in the crowd. A little bit sad. But I want to talk about one of my earliest memories, the 2000 Sydney Olympics. I watched Cathy Freeman come home in the 400. A very proud moment for me, but also for the country. We can be proud for other reasons, Sasha. Sydney's 2000 Olympics is celebrated because the cost blowout was only 90%, about 80% below the average. All right, so the financial benefit is overstated and then no one seems to be able to keep a budget, which is something we'll just put a pin in for now. How much are cities actually losing then on the Olympics? Let's start in London 2012. They spent $18 billion, brought in just over five. Two years earlier, Vancouver spent $7.6 billion, brought in about three. And going back to Beijing, they spent more than $40 billion, as we mentioned, but they generated less than a tenth of that amount, around $4 billion. I mean, if I'm spending billions of dollars of something and it's only bringing in a tenth, you don't need to be a VC to understand that's a really bad return on investment. I don't think I'd be taking that investment. We're talking multi-billion dollar losses here. For cities like London and Sydney, they can deal with these big losses. They're bustling cities with you know strong economies. But there are three horror stories that sum up just how bad the Olympics can be for a city financially. I'll go chronologically. 1976, Montreal. The mayor of Montreal declared that the Olympics can no more have a deficit than a man can have a baby. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, it took 30 years to pay off the debt just for the main stadium. We have a a fabulous stadium, but I think it cost more than all of the covered stadia in North America put together. But it didn't seem to phase some locals. Do you think the Olympic Games were worth it? Anything in sport is worth it. Darcy, before you go on, I want to check. Is anything in sport worth it? Sasha, everything in sport is worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very biased, but I love my sports. (laughs) Putting aside the vox pops of sports-mad Canadians, this Olympics wasn't just unprofitable, it created a debt burden. And speaking of burdens, Greece and their capital, Athens, hosted the Games in 2004, and their costs really blew out. The total cost came to $16 billion, 10 times the original estimate. The 2004 Games in Athens was funded in great part from unsustainable borrowing, which directly contributed to the Greek financial crisis. Building these facilities contributed to Greece's debt crisis, and many of them remain empty today. By 2010, more than half the venues built for the event were underused, completely empty, or literally falling apart. And finally, Rio, who hosted the Games in 2008. Played by low ticket sales, partly due to the outbreak of the Zika virus, the Rio Games ended up costing... They were the first South American country to host the Olympics, and the cost of their Games exceeded $20 billion. The city of Rio alone shouldered $13 billion of that, and challenged by the country's deep recession, they required a $900 million bailout from the government to cover the cost of policing the Olympics and they were unable to pay a lot of the employees. And the showplace Maracana Stadium, which got a $500 million makeover, was largely abandoned soon after the Games and has had thousands of seats ripped out by vandals. Darcy, you're making me very concerned. As I said, I'm recording in Brisbane right now. I'm very fond of my home city, and it's not making me feel positive about the potential of the Olympic Games in 2032. Let's take a quick break, and then in a moment, I want to unpack where all this money is going exactly. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to The Dive. I'm joined by my colleague Darcy and today we're looking at the financial implications of the Olympics. Darcy, before the break, we looked at a couple of case studies and talked about the high level stats and it seems like the Olympics can be risky for a city. For every London or Sydney who seem to just carry the loss because they are tourist destinations, there seems to be a Rio, an Athens, a Montreal. Let's dig in. Within these multi-billion dollar project budgets, where is most of the money going? In one word, infrastructure these days they require about 35 different athletic venues they require very few cities are prepared to host hundreds of thousands of tourists watching tens of thousands of athletes competing in about 300 events many of which are highly specialized and require bespoke stadiums rio built 15,000 new hotel rooms for tourists along with a new subway a renovated shipping port and even a doping test lab for the athletes. Sochi, they spent $44 billion on non-sports infrastructure alone. London, did you know they built more than 30 new bridges to link the Olympic Park to surrounding areas? I know there's a lot of bridges in London, but I didn't realise that there were 30 new ones in 2012. When we talk about infrastructure, though, usually, even though you've got these billions of dollars, what you're actually talking about is the money going to the construction workers and the laborers. And then that money goes from their wages into shops, pubs, restaurants, clothes, rent. And so the money kind of continues to move around the economy. So they might seem like huge bills, but it's not a bad news story. Do we not see that with Olympic infrastructure? We do see some flow and effect, Sasha, but it's just never really as big as predicted by these Olympic officials. Salt Lake City had the Olympics in 2002 and saw 7,000 new jobs created. Do you think that's a good number? 7,000 more than zero. It is, but <laughs> it was just 10% of what they predicted. So they were saying 70,000 plus. It sounds like they have a real habit of overestimating. They do. I'd say you could describe the Olympics as a New Year's Eve party, Sasha. So much promise and potential, and then you're just left with a massive hangover. (laughs) I love that analogy. A big reason for this hangover, Sasha, is that a lot of the infrastructure becomes white elephants. I'm not a zoologist, but I'm sure white elephants aren't actual elephants. Are you going to tell me what this terminology means? A white elephant is a possession that its owner just can't dispose of, something you cannot get rid of, and more importantly, The cost of maintenance is out of proportion to its usefulness. It sounds like my first car. (laughs) Okay, mine too. Can you give me some specific examples of a white elephant in the Olympic context? There are a lot of examples. No Olympic Games would be complete without its grand Olympic stadiums. Just generally, these stadiums are mostly built on undeveloped land. The surrounding areas in the host cities are often not the most desirable places to live. So when all these athletes leave, the tourists leave, and the hype of the Olympics is over, we're left with skating arenas that seat 8,000 people, and I'm not sure that we really need them. Okay, do you have a favourite example of a white elephant? I do, and this would be in London. Have you heard of the Orbit Tower, Sasha? 
I've never heard of the Orbit Tower, I've got to be honest. So it's Britain's largest piece of public art, over 115 metres tall. Boris Johnson said it was intended to be something extra outside London's 2012 Olympic Stadium. It cost £22 million to build. I highly recommend searching this one up on Google Images. It's now been repurposed into a slide and you can even abseil down the 115 metre eyesore. I've just done that, Darcy, and I've got to say, I lived in London for three years. I had no idea this existed. I've never seen this before and I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm sure there's lots of Londoners out there screaming at their phones saying, how did you miss this? It seems like there's a common theme. There's infrastructure that isn't used beyond the games and then there's debt that needs to be paid back for years after maybe even decades after the tourists have left town. So that leads us back to the big question. Why are countries wanting to host the Olympics? As I said before, Sasha, some people would do anything for sport. There's a lot more (laughs) to it than just the money. The 2008 Beijing Olympics were all about national prestige and helped China be recognised as a superpower in the world. Rio in 2016 was important as they recovered from the Zika virus, which we talked about. What about Brisbane? Is it just because we feel like the little sibling to Sydney and Melbourne and they've both had their turn? Always trying to play catch up Brisbane. They have a funny origin story. The train lines in Brisbane haven't been updated since the 1890s and the city of Brisbane wanted to work out how to get them updated. So the most obvious reason? Bid for the Olympics. And that was what started their push for the Olympics in 2032. Cities and countries are aware that the Olympics aren't a great moneymaker. It's not breaking news, but there is still plenty of interest. Alongside Brisbane, there were five other cities interested in hosting the 2032 Olympics. So are these countries just happy to lose money or are they making changes and adapting to make it more financially viable? The cities are starting to adapt and they've learned a few things from past decades. Los Angeles in 1984 was the gold medal when it comes to profitability. No one wanted to host the 1984 Olympics. LA stepped up on one condition. They didn't have to build any new infrastructure. So LA ended up spending just $320 million, but generating a $250 million profit. And Queensland have learnt this in their 2032 bid. They want to stick with infrastructure that was built for the Brisbane Commonwealth Games in 1982 and the Gold Coast Games in 2018. To put some numbers to it, According to Brisbane's master plan, 84% of the venues included in the bid either already exist or will be temporary for the Games. We're almost at the end of our time today, Darcy, but I'm going to ask you, will the 2032 Brisbane Olympics make any money? Oh, Sasha, I have to say no. Even the numbers from the organisers, they say there's a $5 billion budget and a $7 billion benefit, but I think you can probably put a double on that $5 billion budget (laughs) and maybe a little bit less on the benefit. But there are so many other benefits to the Olympics and I expect Brisbane to be a pretty exciting one. Darcy, thank you so much for joining me today. I've learned so much about the Olympics and I've got to say I'm still pretty optimistic and pretty excited about 2032. And thank you for joining us for today's edition of The Dive. If there's a story you want to talk about, contact us at thedive at equitymates.com or follow us on any of the social media channels. All those details, as always, in the show notes below. Remember to rate and review us five stars, please, in your favorite podcast app and subscribe so that every time there's a new episode, it'll be delivered right to you the moment it drops. Darcy, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much, Sasha. Until next time. The Dive is a product of Equity Mates Media. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of The Dive acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The hosts of The Dive are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.